You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast, brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Hello and welcome to the next Bike Radar podcast, where today we're going to be talking about the off-road version of Bike of the Year, where we tested 20 trail bikes head-to-head. Today with me I've got Tom Marvin and Ed Thompson from MBUK. Hello. Hi there. Tom, maybe you can fill us in on some detail from the Bike of the Year test. Yeah, so um, I guess I sort of headed up the test this year by riding all the bikes with a lot of involvement from from Rob and Ed and also Luke on the team as well. I had 21 bikes, uh, but 20 made it into the magazine. They're all priced between £2,650 and £3,600, so a relatively broad range. Uh, all the bikes had between 120 and 150 mil of rear wheel travel, which is kind of what we decided kind of almost defined a trail bike to some extent. It's not a particularly easy way to define a bike, but you have to put some lines in the sand somewhere. So, And how would you narrow that category down? Because trail bikes, in my head, is pretty broad. Yeah, that was probably the biggest challenge, I think, for trail bike of the year. You know, if we're going to do enduro bike of the year, it's pretty clear what's going to what's going to be a good bike, and that's one that's really fast down a hill, right? If we are going to do cross-country bike of the year, you got one that's got to be, it's got to be real fast up the hill and, and relatively competent down a hill. But I, I think trail bike is a really broad spectrum. There were bikes in the test that were effectively pretty rad XC bikes, and there were some bikes in there that probably could have gone into Enduro Bike of the Year if we were running it this year. So pretty broad. What I was looking for was a bike that I wanted to go and ride, um, one that was fun, 
you know, good up a hill wasn't going to kill us, but was also really competent when you're going downhill because ultimately going down's sort of more fun. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what I was looking at. It's quite tricky being such a broad category, isn't it? Because when we were testing the bikes, we kept having those discussions where you kind of think, oh, well, this one's so good at this. But then you're kind of like, well, it's a trail bike. But then you're like, well, what is a trail bike? It's kind of like a do-it-all bike. I mean, trail bike means something different to every ride as well. Yeah. And again, that's that was a lot of the discussions we had was, no, I know what I like. I like a, a bike that's super poppy and fun and flicky to ride. But, you know, if you come from a more downhill experience or something, maybe you're not bothered whether it goes uphill, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that makes it quite tricky sometimes when you're riding the bikes back to back. And you kind of think, oh, one's better than another. And then, you know, well, maybe it's just kind of the type of riding I'm doing on it. But, um, yeah, I guess that's why it makes it... Makes for an interesting yeah. test. Yeah. And I guess that kind of brings us nicely onto how you actually did the test. What sort of stuff did you ride and how did you try and vary it to try and encompass such a, a broad range of bikes? So the, I started testing in November uh, and finished in February. So it was a four-month testing window. Every single bike got the same run down Bike Park Wales. So what I wanted to do is basically minimise variables at the start of testing each of the bike because if you ride down the same track, you know it real well, you know what to expect at every different corner, you know, you're not worrying about what's going to happen. So you can, I, I think if you back-to-back down the same sort of track, you get a really good impression of what a bike is going to be like. And right? I guess you've got a, a decent point of reference for each bike and how they behave on a very specific type of terrain, right? Exactly, yeah. I mean, I, I would go to Bike Park Wales and I rode Vicious Valley and then drop into Surfing Bird and then down Deep Navigation. So Vicious Valley, it's got some fast, flat-out sections with some jumps and some big berms. Then it's quite rooty. Surfing Bird is a bit muddy with some like fly-offs and some little steeper bits, and then deep navigation is real rough and rocky. So all the bikes got taken down there. I'd take three or four bikes at a time. That gives me a nice base-level impression of what the bikes are going to be like. And from there, it was then possible to go out to other places to ride them on terrain, which arguably either would suit them better or maybe expose, expose their flaws a little bit more. And it was at this point, again, that we pulled in the likes of you know yourselves to give a broader range of feedback as well from different perspectives because uh, that's really vital when we're talking about such a broad range of bikes. You need a broad range of opinions to to narrow it down, even if it makes it a little bit trickier at times. Yeah, so you, you sort of start to narrow it down and as time went on, we needed to really think about what bikes we were going to take out to Italy when we went out to the finale to really sort of finalise a winner. But within that, I know it was a really, really tricky process, really hard to drill down on specific bikes what sort of were there any standout bikes for you and i mean i either way really good or bad it's always the the standout bikes that i think are the easiest ones to decide upon you know you have bikes that are effectively pretty crap or in the in the grand scheme of things you know in a comparative thing the ones which aren't going to perform as well and then you've got the ones which do stand out as you know this is going to be a winner and that point at which a bike stands out might only come at it's almost like a little moment on a ride when you're like, oh, hold on, I, I, I get this bike now. And, you know, the bike which eventually won the bike, the Common Cell Meta, there was a point on a ride, just a social ride at a weekend when I, I went riding somewhere that I don't normally go ride, and I was like, hang on a minute, this bike is absolutely pinned. This is, you know, this is the bike I want to go ride. And so it was immediately sort of came out as a bit of a forerunner, not necessarily the winner, but at that point I was like, okay, this is good. It's the middle bikes that were the trickier ones. Just trying to get some kind of point of differentiation, I guess. Yeah, there's a, 
there's a lot of bikes. You know, this middling price point of around three, three and a half grand. Most bikes are really good. You know? Yeah, there's not many bad bikes, is there? Yeah. Not really. Anymore. Yeah, you don't get on a single bike, do you, and think this is terrible? Can't ride it. No, not They're at all, all. Pretty decent. So you sort of, you end up nitpicking. You know, you're like, oh, well, you know, this one's good there, but it's not so good there. And or oh, the tire on the back, you know, you know, you're trying to find those points of difference between the different bikes. Yeah, I think it's quite difficult to not sometimes just get bogged down on yeah things like maybe the spec or like yeah like if something's got the bars that are too wide for you or yeah you don't like the tires or something like that. It's quite tricky to. You've got to kind of look past that and then think about the frame. Mm-hmm. And also maybe because we're riding different bikes, maybe every bike isn't quite the right size for you. But then you've got to, um, yeah, you've got got to, to look past that and think, well, maybe if I was a couple of inches shorter or a little bit taller, then this would probably fit me really well. And there, there were a few bikes that were sort of definitely like that in terms of their geometry where you're like, hang on, like that doesn't work for me. But if I was like this or I was like that, actually, it would probably be pretty good for that. Yeah, and then other guys on the team would be like, oh, well, I really like that bike, and that was one of my favourites. And then you're like, okay, yeah, I can kind of see that. So I know we're going to really focus on the top five, mm. but outside of that, where were the question marks hanging, I guess? what would, Where were the, where was it really hard to work out how you were going to score a certain type of bike? Which ones was it? Um, yeah, so th- th- there were bikes that, in some ways sort of stood out from the crowd in terms of either the kit that was on them or especially with mountain bikes or the the geometry of the bikes. Talking about bikes like the Specialized Stumpy Evo or the Kotick Flare Max. And they are, they're defined, I guess, as trail bikes based on kind of maybe the kit they got on them or the suspension travel, but the shape of them really, I think, makes them as a bit of an outlier from what a trail bike really is. And those are tricky because... You ride, you know, the Kotick and, and the Special, both really long, aggressive bikes with geometry that's really well suited to rough, steep terrain, which I don't think a lot of trail riders ride all the time, which makes them quite difficult to judge against some more of the traditional bikes. Do you think they're almost too specialist in some ways? I think they suit a, quite a niche of riders. And so that's how it's difficult to, to yeah, as I said, to score them is, is tricky because... If you are going to go and ride something real steep where you need really long geometry, you know, slack head angle, low BB, then those two bikes, for example, are probably really good choices. But if your riding is much more all-round, so you're going to spend some days riding flatter tracks, maybe you're going to go to a trail centre, the next weekend you're hitting something steep, but in between that you're doing like a quick midweek blast. I don't think those bikes are going to work particularly well for you. So I think for Trail Bike of the Year, it was that all-round performance that is important. And it sounds like I'm saying that, you know, the Kot- I don't want to pick on them, but say the Kotick and the Special Bad Bikes, they're not at all. It's just that I wouldn't necessarily recommend them to a, a general all-round rider. Okay. And, I, yeah, I mean, I remember going back through the list and there was nothing that stood out as bad at all. Yeah. Everything got a decent score and everything was, yeah, more than fit for purpose, I think. There was a couple of, I guess, question marks hanging over maybe some ways in which the suspension might be working, mm-hmm. like on the rows, for example. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it seemed like a really tough job this year. Yeah, it was uh, – I think this is my third trail bike of the year and the fifth one I've been involved with, and it was definitely the hardest one to pick an absolute winner out of. And, I mean, we used the trip to Italy, so we took 10 bikes to Italy for the final photo shoot, and the idea of that is – obviously get some nice pictures for the mag and, and to get some good video for online but also to kind of nail down both the top five and also maybe five other bikes that 
could or couldn't make it. You know, it, it's whittling it down. So I had three bikes that I took that I knew were going to be the top top three or four. I knew that from the outset. The other bikes that we took all had a good shout of making it into that top five that get a bit more space in the mag and, and definitely get a video. So that's why we sort of took some of those bikes out to Italy, to take them on different terrain with a wider set of riders and, and just get a better feel for them. We had quite a bit of discussion on that, didn't we? I remember we had a kind of maybe like a top seven almost, and then mm. we were kind of bikes kept going in and out of the top five. And then I mean, every night kind of those... ride it, yeah, we would sort of change. And then as you rode through the week, and we rode different terrain. Like we started off, yeah, we started off on some kind of quite flowy stuff. And then we had a couple of days where we were riding that really rough, steep kind of terrain. And that especially when we hit those is where yeah. like the Vetus, for example, really start to shine. Yeah, exactly. But then, and then we went back to some kind of slightly flatter, mellower stuff, did a few little climbs and things like that. And then you kind of maybe start to see the merits of some of the other bikes, like the Cannondale, it's a bit more traily. Mm. And things like that, and you're like, oh yeah, okay, well maybe, yeah, being a bit lower and kind of lower travel, and I think that's where more lively. we've sort of had in the mag, we've got like the top five, and that's, I guess, in some ways, that's more of a design thing rather than anything else, because arguably anything from I'd say the top eight or nine could have been in the top five. So, you know, if you if you're going to read the mag and, and you see, oh, you know, this bike's not in the top five, it doesn't mean you need to discount it. It just means that for whatever reason, we decided that we had a package of top five bikes, which is quite nicely varied as well. Yeah, and it kind of, I guess they, those particular ones really ticked the boxes that you guys were looking for at, the, at that point, right? Yeah. Within the top five, I'd say that we've got one bike that's like super fun. You know, like it's a bike for trail centre heroes who want to pop out of the weekend and have an absolute blast for a few hours. There's a bike in there that arguably could go into Enduro Bike of the Year in some respects. It's, you know, if you are just looking to go and hit steep, rough downhills and you want complete isolation as much as possible, get that bike there's a couple of bikes that are real good all-rounders i think that are really good downhill they're good up a hill they can do flatter corners as well they can do a bit of everything and then there was that one standout winner the common cell which i felt was every bike is is compromised it's a trail bike there is no perfect trail bike but i felt that that was the least compromised of the bikes kind of tells you something doesn't it when we get to go riding after a day testing and it's kind of like, oh, who's going to ride the common sound? That awkward like, conversation. Yeah, you're like, oh, oh, well, my pedals are on that one, so maybe I should ride that one. Oh, my suspension was set up for yeah. that, so actually, uh, yeah. And that, yeah, that kind of tells you quite a lot. Mm. I guess that kind of brings us nicely onto talking about those top five in a bit more detail. So should we start with the, um, the Norco first? Yeah, so we've got, it's the Norco site. It's, it's a 29er um, and is good value in, the, in that... It's not a direct sale bike like from Lights of Canyon or YT, but you do get it from a bricks and mortar shop. And there's always a lot of discussion about, you know, okay, yeah, okay, I can spend three grand and get a really great kit from the likes of YT and Canyon, but you don't get that backup which you would get from the likes of Evans. So, or it's a different kind of backup. It's a different guess, kind right? of backup, yeah. yeah. It's not the immediate, you can't walk down the high street and pick sure. up the bike. So, and this, this bike did well last year as well, didn't it? This bike was in the top three last year, and we picked it last year because it's basically a super confident bike that you can jump on. And I think it's a perfect stepping stone from... It's kind of that bike where if you were a beginner rider who's sort of been getting better and better and maybe has effectively out, outgrown your first bike, I reckon this is an ideal first, in inverted commas, proper mountain bike. It's easy to ride. You can jump on it. It has everything on there that you need. There's no, you know, funny, quirky bits of kit. And it's really confident. It's a really confident bike downhill, but it still pedals up nice. Okay. And any standout 
components or anything like that for you? Because it's, it's, a, it's a good price, right? It's a really good price. I, I think the standout component really is, is probably the shock. It's a DPX2, so you, you get the piggyback on there. What we found last year, was a, and this year as well, that it is a really confident descender. And I, I think the the speed and the roughness of the trails, that it kind of encourages you to ride, the, having a piggyback shock just gives you that performance sort of continuity across the length of the trials. The shock warms up, right? You've got more oil volume, so it just feels consistent. Yeah, that is something I did find I noticed in Finale, actually, was when we were doing big, long runs, just how quick the shocks are rebounding by the end of the run, mm-hmm. especially on the ones with no piggyback. It's definitely affecting kind of how how settled they're feeling on the downs. Yeah. And it comes with a rock shock pike as well. So yeah. for 2,800, it's pretty decent, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a good chassis. It's got... Nice damper, good air spring. There's there's very little on the pike that you'd complain about. It's not the RCT three with all the adjustment, but it's still a, a really competent fork. Great, okay. And then I think uh, next up would be the YT Jeffsy. So last year's winner. Yeah, the Jeffsy was updated in 2019, so it's a completely new platform for this year. What sort of stuff have they did they change? It's kind of, it's it's classic mountain bike thing for geometry. It's longer, lower, slacker. Um, and they've worked on the suspension as well. Last year it won because it wasn't a perfect bike in any way, shape or form. Like The frame was a bit flexy, it didn't have super up-to-date, you know, it, it wasn't a metric shock, for example, and all that. But this year they've they've made it totally modern, it's totally up-to-date. But what it's sort of lost is that character. You rode the, the, the yeah. Jesse last year. Yeah, but yeah, I really liked Jesse, and I still really liked it this year. I thought it was really good. I thought it was maybe a little bit... I thought possibly the fork isn't slightly long enough. It kind of felt, when you rode it back to back with some of the other bikes, it kind of felt a little bit less capable on the downs, but then not necessarily uh, much of a benefit on the ups that it was slightly shorter. But it was still a super fun bike, and mm-hmm. it's really good for kind of, yeah, like all-round trail riding. Yes. And, like, you're, you're kind of amazed at how good the package is on it and, like, the whole setup on it. It's one of those bikes where you're like, yeah, if I had this bike, I wouldn't change a single bit on it. Yeah, it's it's totally competent, and I th- the changes in the geometry do make it more capable. Yeah, oh, maybe not compared to some of the the bikes like the Vitus in this test, but it is, you know, it's got a, a respectable reach of like four seventy in a size large. You know, it's, the seat tube's relatively short, the head angle's fairly slack. It's a nicely balanced package. I think what's changed for twenty nineteen and why maybe it didn't retain its title was that it's maybe just not quite as fun because it is that much more competent than the previous one. The last one you felt you could ride it to the edge of its ability almost, right? Yeah. Whereas this one, you're safe. It's a real safe pair of hands. So do you think where the, I think with the last one, I think we all sort of found that, yeah, as soon as you really opened it up, which it kind of encouraged, you could feel a little bit that you could get it out of his depth, mm. but in a kind of fun way, right? Yeah. Without it being sort of, you know, absolutely terrifying. Yeah. It was just a laugh. It was just fun. Whereas do you think this one's starting to creep into the Capra yeah, it's, area, it's, maybe? it's definitely taken toes. some elements of the Capra in, in terms of its capability and its rear suspension. And it's it's so capable. I think most riders would struggle to push it towards its limits. Okay. See, I, I almost slightly didn't disagree with that, but I actually think when you, say if you put the two direct sail bikes against you, like the Canyon and the YT, I really know, I thought the Canyon felt well, more capable mm-hmm. on the downhills. But then... And probably the reason it doesn't make it in the top five is it's got that really high head high tube head and a high seat tube, which does start to affect the handling in some of the tighter stuff. And that's kind of where I found that the YT was 
far and away better mm -hmm. is once you start trying to get through the tight corners mm -hmm. then you, you just you can just wait the front end a lot more and you can ride it a lot more aggressively whereas the canyon is absolutely amazing on these like really fast flat out rocky trails but then as soon as you get to a tight turn so you've really got to kind of duck around a tree or something like that, then you instantly start feeling a bit awkward. Okay. Mm. That's something I definitely felt. But yeah. still a great package though, right? Uh, yeah, a really good package. I think the only thing that's sort of one might want to change on, on the YT is depending on your preferences of tyres, right? I think... Yeah, they in, weren't in, to my my liking really. I find them quite a square shape. It's, got the, it's the TRS, it's the E13 TRS Plus. Yeah. So yeah, they're, they're quite they're square. They've got quite an aggressive shoulder on there as well. Yeah, I think they're very good at a kind of specific type of riding, which is quite sort of soft, soft mud yeah. and kind of deep loam, where they can really bite the edge in. But I find like something like a Maxxis Minion, it's got a slightly round profile, and you can almost kind of play around with the edge of the grip. Mm -hmm. You can kind of you can feel it gripping, but you can kind of feel it slide and bite again. Whereas this is very much a tie. You're kind of on the edge, you're gripping, and then it's kind of gone. Or you're not on the edge and you can kind of feel where it engages. But And I think that probably reflects then back to the testing. The ride that really sort of made the YT stand out to me at that point was in soft, loamy, muddy conditions on a steep hillside where I could tip the bike into a corner and you could literally feel the shoulder just like digging in and gripping. And I was like, hang on, this thing corner is amazing in those conditions. Yeah. And it was only really when we got to yeah. finale when you like you push onto the corner, you can feel the, the side knobs wandering and you feel that little bit less secure than you might want to be. Yeah. yeah but, yeah. you know, tyres are 50, 60 quid, which isn't a small amount, but it's it's changeable, right? Yeah, and they're also definitely not shit. Yeah. <laughs> they're still really good. You know, they're compared to like a kind of tyre on a real budget bike, they're still super griffy. Mm. And yeah, you've really got to be riding a lot of tyres, I think, to kind of pick out those faults yeah and, and then we've got the Cannondale the Cannondale Habit so new bike for this year um, quite a bit different really I think to the other bikes in the top five wouldn't you say yeah I think if you looked at the the sheet of bikes that were going to be in for the test before we started riding them you wouldn't have necessarily put the Habit in there in the top five it's a very and I don't mean to sound like harsh on this it's a very normal bike right but it's a bit more traily, maybe. Exactly, yeah. So it's it's one thirty front and back. It's I think it kind of epitomises really what a fun trail bike probably should be. A lot of the bikes in the top five are trying to be more aggressive. They you know they've got long top tubes, like slackhead angles, grippy tires and stuff. Whereas this is like, hey, I'm a trail bike. You know, this is for going down to your trail centre, going and you know skidding around a few corners, having a bit of fun, maybe heading to some sort of mellow woodland trails and just yeah, going out and going for a pedal. You know. But it's a super fun bike, isn't it's it? It's pretty cool to watch, like, you know, the new Candle Sessions team. Those guys are in Candle Habits and just like, absolutely ripping it up. Candle Habits, quite heavily modified. Quite heavily modified, <laughs> yeah. High bars, maybe different wheel sizes. But it still kind of indicates that it's quite a broad... The bike can do a lot of stuff. It's definitely not a bike that's good, sort of going to hold you back. No. And I think it's quite... It's, it, yeah, those guys are sort of showing how adaptable the bike is. But it's, yeah. it's not radical in any way, right? No, but, I mean, you can... You ride it, you feel like you can use all the travel, but without it, you know, coming back and biting you, mm. I guess. It still feels really capable when it counts. It's still really fun. Yeah. But it does have that lighter feel, that sort of snappier, poppier feel yeah. to it that means that you're never going to be held back if you're going to go and do, you know, a couple of laps of Kumkan or a lap of breakfast or something like that. Yeah, it pedals well. It's, it's fun between the corners and everything, you know, it's... It's a 
sort of communicative bike. It yeah. does what you saw want it to do. I mean, I've I don't know, watched Luke ride that down some pretty wild stuff in Finale, so it's definitely not, yeah. you know, there's no problems when it gets a bit harder, is it? I think it is, looking at the spec on there, it's got a 34 fork, which I think is probably, def- I said in the, in the in the magazine copy, I think that kind of almost defines the bike because it's, if you are a bigger, heavier rider or you are looking to go and ride like real chunky terrain, the 34 with 130 mil of travel probably isn't the fork you'd pick, right? Because if the top five, that's the shortest travel with the skinniest legs. Exactly. So, well, okay, like Luke's an incredibly talented rider and, and you and could get it down most stuff. But, you know, as I say, if, if you are a, a bigger statue or, or you are going to regularly ride bigger stuff, I probably would avoid avoid it. But if you aren't, then go nuts. You know, I think it's, it's a nice little fork which works real well and, and complements the feeling of the bike. So do you think... The habit might be better suited to someone who's looking for some higher mileage. Yeah, higher mileage days in the hill. It's nice and light and it pedals pretty well. So, Okay, great. And then that brings us on to the Vitus. Yeah. So what stood out about this particular model for you? The Vitus is probably the one of the bikes that came out to Italy, which came out because I wasn't particularly... The Vitus was one of the bikes that came out to Italy that I wasn't 100% sure about before it came out. I'd ridden it at Bike Park Wales, and I'd ridden it in bits of the Forest of Dean on some like steeper, rootier tracks, and I'd ridden it on some flatter things as well. And it was definitely the bike that surprised us all, I think, in Finale. Yeah, I remember you guys getting on it, and every time you rode something pretty steep and hard, you were like, wow, this bike's- that's just like amazing. That yeah. soaks it up really well. What surprise, if you look at it on paper, you see like a big chunky Fox 36 factory grip to, you know, it's all singing, all dancing fork. And then you look at the back and it's got 130 mil of travel and you're kind of like, what's this bike all about? But it's got great tyres. I mean, it's three grand. It's got great tyres, amazing suspension. Yeah, the build's insane for that one, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's a great build, isn't it? It's almost the perfect value for money bike. I don't think you can get, okay, it's not got carbon frame and it's not particularly light. But like YT, it's direct, isn't it? It's di- yeah, it is direct. But I, I think what separates then, so going back to what separates the Vitas from the other bikes, though, is that back end. So it's got a full floating shock, so the bottom of the shock isn't f- on a fixed point on the front triangle, it's on an extension of the uh, rear chainstay. So th- it's bikes that have like a full floating shock design tend to have kind of like that bottomless feel to them. Like they're very supple at the top of the stroke and like have real nice progression towards the end of it as well. And Vetus just sort of displayed that perfectly. It's not a perfect back end. So this is the bike that I said earlier on that really surprises when things got steep and gnarly because on flatter tracks, that suppleness at the start of its stroke and the fact that the progression seems to come late in its stroke makes it quite sluggish on flatter tracks, right? It's not a good peddler, particularly. You've got a lockout on there, which I used more on, on this bike than anything else. And on those sort of flatter wood, woodsy tracks where you're going turn to turn, it's it feels a bit slow, a little bit sluggish. So it just lacks a bit of zip compared to the other ones, maybe? Totally. Okay. But then as soon as that track opens out, it gets steeper. There's rocks, there's roots and everything. The back end just, like, hugs the ground. And there's so much control, despite only having 130 mil of travel. You wouldn't think that. No, it's funny. That's the thing I felt with that and the in the common cell. You kind of can't believe they've got such short travel. Mm. You're riding them and you're thinking this is an enduro bike, and then you look at the spec sheet at the end. You're like, oh, it's got 130 mil of travel. Yeah, can't believe how capable it felt for that. So I think with the Cannondale, you do. Yeah, you know, it's almost the opposite. You know exactly. You know what it's doing. Okay, yeah, that's about 130 mil. 
Yeah. Not in a bad way, but you kind of, you know the limit. You feel like you can't run the sag as much, which yeah. makes it a little bit harsher, and then you haven't got that real bottomless feel when you start yeah. hitting it really hard, haven't you? But Yeah, the Vitas just seems to deal with ev- anything. So we, we chucked at it. I think there's, there's sort of two points that I sort of take from that. One is... It's not like the amount of suspension you've got, but it's the quality of the suspension that really makes the difference. Yeah, how it's delivered. But and I, and I found this, again, actually with the Kotick, and I think it's probably a fair point to say about the Vitus as well, which almost attracts from why it's in the top five or not. But if, if you've got a bike that's not particularly light, that doesn't climb particularly well, but is really good down a hill, why not get a longer travel version? Because it's still not going to be light, it's still not going to be great on flat stuff, but it, in theory, should be even better on bigger terrain. Potentially. Potentially, yeah. if we, you know. But as it is, you know, we, we wanted a bike in the top five that was like absolutely nails, you know, when things got really steep and gnarly and, and the Vitus with an incredible package of kit as well. Yeah, it's well thought out, isn't it? Things like the Guide RE brakes. It's a really great brake. It's kind of got the benefits of the code for descending, but then a bit lighter. Yeah. And then, yeah, fork's great. Shock's really good. T- really good tyre choice as well. Yeah, it's a, and wheels and everything. It's pretty. It's Minion DHF and DHR. Is that yeah. right, front and rear? So and two point five, two point four. The triple compound ones. I think you get the good. Is it a max grip um, compound on the front as well? And then max terror on the back. Yeah, they've just. It's just smart specking as much as anything else. Yeah. You know, there, there are the brakes of, of similar sort of price that they could have put on there, but they chose the one which is the most powerful, really, for a budget. Even if it is a bit heavier. Yeah. Yeah, which makes sense. So, yeah, okay. fair, I think fair play to Vitas for doing that. But then we move on to the bike that trumped them all, the Common Sal. Yeah. So why did this win? So the Common Sal, it's got a bit of a toothy name. It's the Common Sal Meta TR29 Brit Edition, right? Rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Yeah. And they, when, when Common Sal sort of obviously have a bit of history with Trail Bike of the Year. It's one in the past, the Meta V4.2 won a couple of years ago. They've also got quite a good bit of heritage when it comes to fast riders. So 2018 EWS, uh, Sil Ravenel won every single round on the AM version of this, like the 29er. So it's definitely got a bit of high-speed pedigree going into it and pedigree from Trail Bike of the Year. So the Brit Edition gets an extra 10mm of travel on the front and it also gets slightly spikier tyres. Um and a green paint job. And a green paint job with... It does look cool. Flashy orange forks. Yeah, think? I think we all thought it looked cool, didn't we? British Racing Green, orange fork, Kashima coating. Yeah. It does look rad. It's a great yeah. package, really, I think. And so, yeah, it, it stood out immediately. And it, as I say, it was that ride, you know, it was a ride in, in South Wales and something ridiculously steep. And I was like, hang on a minute, this this really works. Yeah. For me, it's always a bike, I think, that you can just jump on straight out of the van. And I kind of, for me, I'm like instantly like, oh, yeah, I could ride this bike fast. And you don't really feel like you've got to do a huge amount of fiddling the setup. Everything just kind of feels like it's in the right place. And I, and I think we've ridden a, a version of this over the last few years, haven't we? And I think everyone's always come away generally just buzzing from the ride. Yeah, super impressed. It does. It does, I don't think it is the best descender. It's, it isn't the best at going up a hill. There's probably better bikes between the corners. But it is the bike, I think, in this year's test that was the least compromised on all of those different assets of riding, right? Yeah, there was no point where I really rode that bike and thought, oh, it's not really that great here. Mm. It's kind of all round. I was like, yeah, it's pretty Just good, at, it's pretty good at this. It's pretty good at going around the corners. Yeah, it's great. So I think one thing with the common side is that there, it is direct sales again. Um, Price-wise, it's, what, £3,600? I think it works out about well, there three, there four about. when you 
factor oh, okay. in the conversion. So it's about three six euros, I think. Oh yeah, that was it. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, so so it's, it's direct sales. You buy it from Common Sale, and it, you pay in euros, and it's three thousand six hundred euros. So it's it isn't the cheapest bike around. Common Sale are good value for money. It's not amazing value for money, I don't think. But again, it is. There's nothing on that bike that you would immediately think you're going to get rid of. So GX Eagle. Fairly decent pair of wheels. You've got real good tyres. Schwabby Magic Mare on the front and hands down from the back in like nice sticky compounds. You get a factory DPX2 shock. And okay, so our fork, we had the RC2 version of the um, 36, but stock ones will come with the latest Grip 2 damper, which is a step up again in performance. And that fork never held us back. No, fork felt really good. Yeah. And yeah, the rental finishing kit's worth mentioning as well. Mm -hmm. That really nice shape bar stem. Grips are really good. Um, which does actually affect the testing, doesn't it? When you're riding some right, real long, rocky runs, you kind of not get an arm pump or that kind of thing feels definitely helps. That was the package that stood out and eventually eventually won the test, really. And it's an aluminium frame. I think that's probably frame. worth mentioning as well because I know there's a lot of fuss being made about carbon frames and, and sort of perceived value at certain price points. But I guess for us, we're not too bothered right as long as it works and if it's aluminium or carbon I, don't, I, th I think if you if you're looking at road bikes right the the ride quality comes from obviously tires wheels frame and forks but on a mountain bike you, you've got suspension working there you've got big volume tires you've got you know there's so many different things that come into sort of how a bike feels that i i do i don't think that frame material makes a massive difference you, you'll save a bit of weight right but on a bike like this where you, there's so much going on I just don't think it's that important. And that sort of has been rung true throughout the whole of testing. I mean, okay, the Cannondale, that's carbon front, alley back. YT is carbon front and front, front and back. Sorry, you've got the Vetus, which is full alloy, common cell, which is full alloy. You know, like, it doesn't seem to make too much of a difference, in my opinion. You just get better spec. Okay. It's good to know. Um, so I know you guys all sort of were clamoring to ride that bike why what was it can you put your finger on exactly why each one of you guys at the end of the day when you, before before you were going to pack up you're going to do a last run every single one of you wanted to grab that bike what was it that really stood out okay well let's do it one at a time mm. what's what stood out for you tom in one line it just looks really cool and i want to it's a bike that you look at and you're like yeah I want to go and ride that bike. You, you look. There's nothing on there that you think that nah, that's going to be sketchy down this trail. There's nothing on it that's like oh, I'm not a big fan of that. You, you look at it and you're like, that's a dial package. It looks really good, and I know it rides great. Yeah, it does so, sound stupid, doesn't it? When like you say a bike looks good, but actually it generally makes a difference. If you think if you feel like the bike looks good and like you really want to ride it, it's going to make you ride it better. In a yeah, kind it's of like wearing a cool way. kit. Like yeah. you feel, if you feel good on a bike because it looks good and what you're wearing, you know, like you're just like, yeah, this is cool. Yeah. But then it rides really well as well. And that was it for me. Like I jumped on it and I was like, this feels, I was I actually saw that bike and I thought, why is that one in Trail Bike of the Year? It looks like an enduro bike and it rides like one. And for me, that was kind of the selling point, but then you can still pedal it like a trail bike mm. and you can still ride like a trail bike. And for me, having that kind of downhill capability out of a bike that I could ride all day for me, for that kind of riding I like doing, it's just, yeah, yeah, it was the one. Great, okay. Were there any bikes in the test that stood out for you, though, Rob? Oh, I didn't get to ride the Commissar. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would have liked to. Um, I really enjoyed the Cannondale. Again, I think, just like you guys, quite surprised by it. Um, I had a really good time on the Giant. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I think Giant have absolutely nailed how the rear suspension works. Um, I agree with you on your comments around sizing. Yeah. Because I generally just ride a medium bike. That was it, wasn't it? There was just yeah, because so you and me, Luke yeah. both commented, and you're both quite similar heights. Yeah. How good the back suspension was that? Yeah. But then the large size, I think the reach is. It's about four sixty, I think. Four four seven. Yeah. Four four seven. So, oh, really? and that's okay. the biggest size to do. So that's like a massive kind of. It's a medium bike with a large sticker on it. Yeah, but so it has quite you're... a tall seat tube. Yeah, which is the limiting factor for my little legs. Yeah. But yeah, I yeah I think I had an absolute right riding that. Mm-hmm. And then there was the shape of the last as well. So it's a brand I've kind of seen, and I think you know that we used to see them at the races back in the day, but not really had much to do with not much contact with and then so it was kind of cool to get something a bit different in there yeah this is aluminium frame 29 wheels the shape was just fantastic something that worked really well for me i think the the reason why the shape was so out there is it if you look at like the reach and the head angle they're actually it's relatively normal but it's got a 420 mil seat tube on it which is 50 60 mil shorter than that on say the canyon so you could, abs- you know, and it came with a 185mm dropper on there. So you, you could put the seat down and it literally disappeared underneath you. So it felt like the bike was just this crazy low, like, slack monster of a bike down a hill, right? It was one of those easy bikes to ride, though, because I jumped on that having not ridden it before to do some photos. And we were on DH Men's and Finale, super gnarly track. And instantly I was just like, oh, yeah, feels good. Like, it yeah. feels very easy to ride and, like, it's all working really well. I think maybe on that one, I, we all had a, a couple of sort of questions around maybe the suspension. Mm. Not that it was there was enough progression. It just didn't necessarily feel that it was working over time, I guess is the best way to put it. It was... Yeah. A bit slow, maybe. Yeah. Maybe maybe a touch over damp, possibly. It could be friction from that, that top shock mount, that mm. top eyelet, possibly. Um, but it just didn't feel that it was... Uh, as plush as maybe some of the others on test, which is no bad thing for the most part, especially when you're riding more techs or slower stuff. But on big repeated hits, I know I think you sort of yeah on that on on certainly stuttery stuff because there didn't seem to be that plushness from the back end. It, it started skidding around, but it was on those you know steep Welsh tracks that we spent a bit of time testing on where the composure from the back end and sort of that low down shape just gave you like buckets of confidence. And that's another direct sale bike that you buy you know, straight from Germany. And I, the other sort of criticisms maybe we had of the last was that I don't think the finish, the the buying experience is quite as well-tuned as that is from YT and, and Canyon. The box it came in was, it's small, it? it was a real small box. The bike was really sort of crammed in there. It wasn't a nice unbuilding experience maybe that you get with a Canyon, which, you know, comes with like shock pumps and, and torque wrenches. It was just, it felt... It came straight from Taiwan almost. It, I guess, yeah, it just needs a bit of refining. Yeah. and But, you know, it was definitely an interesting bike and one I think we'll keep an eye out more on, on last going forwards. Yeah, definitely. And, and uh, another bike that I, I didn't get to ride but I would have loved to is the white mm. because I'd spent quite a bit of time on the the T130 when they um, reintroduced or introduced it like a few years ago now mm-hmm. and... I absolutely loved it. And I know they've made quite a few changes over the last year or so. Uh, that still scored really well, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It's a really good bike. It's it's one of those that very nearly made it into the top five and would have deserved its place in the top five. I think the interesting thing about the white in terms of sort of the shape, it's 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 had another one of those sort of 
long treatment. So the reach on a large is 480 mil. Which, which is big. Huge. I think it's the longest in the test. But what it doesn't have is that same big, long bike feeling that the Kotick and the Specialized had. It's still got plenty of pop and like verve between the corners. It's still. I came away from the first time riding that thinking, hey, this is one of the most fun bikes I've ridden for a long time. It doesn't feel like a slugger. You know, it feels like a, a real competent trail bike. Yeah, it feels a little bit. It's more trail, isn't it, though? Definitely on the kind of trailier end, I find. Yeah, despite a crazy yeah. reach. Whereas I think if you if you jumped on the Kotick and the Spesh, you'd be like, yeah, I just want to go and ride Steve's. But it definitely had elements of, so two years ago, we were out in Punta Alla and the white G160 was definitely kind of my bike of choice that week. Mm-hmm. And I think this that definitely kind of had those sort of elements in the kind of length of the reach and it did feel like a really nice shape. Mm-hmm. So is it worth sort of covering off some of the trends that sort of maybe sort of come in apparent from... 2019's trail bike of the year test yeah i guess it makes sense and i suppose you're the best equipped to kind of give us a rundown what sort of stood out for you in terms of what well what do you think we're going to be seeing more of is it everything going to be getting longer and longer and longer i think two things stood out the bikes that are really long low and slack stood out because they're still they are still outliers i think if we did an enduro bike test they would sort of fit in as sort of, you know, like pretty normal now. I think if you're looking at trail bikes, a large trail bike still seems to be averaging like 460 mil reach, you know, and like a 66, 67 head angle there or thereabouts. The thing which stood out is if you look at the top five, every single one is a 29er. Yeah, that is, and that's interesting. That's something that I thought I was riding those bikes and thinking I'm not feeling the disadvantage of the big wheels on this. Yeah, It's not something like, I've ridden 29s in the past and found, oh, it's a little bit awkward here. Mm-hmm. I was riding those and thinking they've got the kind of, they're rolling over stuff like a 29er, but they're handling as well as 650 bikes. So you think they've just sorted the packaging? Yeah. In a sense? Yeah. I think it's it's almost now at the point where, so my first trail bike of the year, the 29ers stood out. I remember we had like a white T129 like five years ago or something like that, and that was like, holy shit, look at this. We've got a 29er in trail bike of the year. Now it's like, oh, hang on, the white? And the Cube, and, you know, there's there's not many other 650B bikes in the test now. Yeah, there's a handful, wasn't it? Yeah. But it's become, you look at them now, and you almost don't notice that they're 29ers. You've become so used to it, and I think that's the same when you ride them as well. Mm. And I think this year, you know, it's the first year that there's, there were no two-by setups. Um, the other thing we noticed, really, is is tyres. Maxis are absolutely killing it this year, I think, in terms of their prevalence across the test, it feels like, what, 60%, 70% of the tyres on test, at least, are Maxis. And I'd say of those, 50% of them are the wide trail, 2.4, 2.5, maybe 2.6 as well. They're really good all-rounders as well, though, aren't they? I mean, I think like the Schwab Magic Mary, for me, is like an amazing tyre for wet weather riding. Mm-hmm. But if you do want something for like an all-year-round tyre, then like the, the Maxis Minion's pretty hard to beat, Yeah, for me, anyway. And it feels like, you know, they must have got their supply going all right, because everyone... Pretty much everyone seems to be specking them now. And it's like, we, t- we talked about the tyres on the YT as, you know, a point of interest, but it's such a safe choice now to put a Minion DHF, DHR. Yeah. Like, what, I don't know why you wouldn't. Yeah, really good combo. What about seat tube height? I know because we've sort of touched on it with a couple of bikes already, um, with the extremes almost being Canyon at the one end with the taller seat tube and maybe last at the other mm. with a really dinky little one now there's more brands that offer longer drop posts should we be expecting to see generally shorter and size specific posts per you know 
I think frame size. Most of the bikes in the test that obviously all have a dropper, and I'd say the majority of them do have size specific drops. So one two five on like the smaller bikes, smaller medium one fifty, and then all the way up to like yeah one eighty five. I think seat tube is the long and slack thing has been going on now for a few years, and I I, I think now is the time for bike manufacturers to really start looking at seat tube because I can't see a disadvantage of that four twenty mil seat tube on the last. It means that, you know, at six foot, I would ride a large very happily. You know, you at five, ten or whatever. I wish. Five, eight, yeah. <laughs> being, being <laughs> you know, but you, you could jump on that bike quite happily, right? Yeah. And, and um, yeah, Sarah, who came out again, quite happy riding on that bike and just ended up on a bike that had like relative progressive geometry for a bike of that seat tube length, right? And as we said, Canyon. Yeah. It, it's not a bike that, if I was any shorter than six foot, I would struggle to... I mean, my seat post was slammed on that. Yeah, same as me. Yeah, I'm on six foot and I've got long legs and I, I was running the seat as low as it could go on the downhills and it was fine for me, but I was thinking, yeah, if I'm any shorter, then it would become mm. a problem. And if you wanted the more... Aggr- if you wanted the Spectral, but you wanted a more aggressive one by getting a longer bike, you wouldn't be able to size up. You know, I couldn't fit on an XL because I'd have to drop my post to pedal the thing. So you instantly... are constrained to effectively one frame size whereas the likes of last or those with shorter seat tubes yt for example you you've got a number of frame sizes that you could pick yeah it's good to have options obviously because not everyone wants a super long bike right yeah but some people do so what about in terms of kit because i think uh if you look through all the spec sheets there's not a whole lot of shimano in terms of drivetrain am i right in thinking that yeah, there was a, a couple of bikes with a Shimano XT. Vitus has got the Vitus Shimano has got XT. it, yeah, yeah. And uh, many others. Kotick, I think, has it as well. But Not the majority is SRAM, right? The majority is GX Eagle. What we're also starting to see now, I think prices in general seems to have been rising over the past year or so for mm-hmm. various reasons that we won't go into in, uh, <laughs> around here. But <laughs> what, what we're seeing, you know, like take the Specialized, for example, you've got this a GX Eagle drivetrain but you get an nx eagle cassette you get you know an nx shifter for example so it's it's gone back to that classic thing of you know like look at the rear mech but look a bit further because it isn't that's not what's defining what groups that you're getting these days sure and something like that as well the nx cassette's actually quite heavy isn't it it's heavy you don't get the full 10 to 50 tooth range it's an 11 to 50 you end up then with a shimano free hub on your wheel so if you do want to upgrade to even wider, you know, 10 to 50 GX or whatever, you've then got to get a new free hub as well. Is there anything else we need to touch on, do you think? I think something that is quite nice about frames these days is they seem to have actually got a cable routing right, finally. In Not just way, internal routing, but they've, guys like Vitus, they've like really thought about the way the cables go, so they run down the down tube in a really neat way under the guard at the bottom. It just kind of like makes the bikes look a really nice package and... If you're someone that doesn't like internal routing and you find it faff, then yeah, people are starting to do external routing but do it well and and I guess minimising we... cable rub. Like you don't have to put stickers on your bikes, stop yeah. cable rub, all that kind of thing these days. We should probably give Canyon a shout, yeah, totally. uh, because yeah. of the way they shroud the down tube and the cables are stuck neatly away under there, but easy to access if you mm. need to work on them. Although you get all the benefit, well, you get in terms of aesthetics at least, you get the benefits of what seems to be internal routing. Yeah, which is great. I think maybe shout out to, to Canyon overall for you know okay we, we've said the, the head tube's too long and the seat tube's too long but if you're looking at it as like a package of a bike it's still great value for money and 
the attention to detail on that frame is amongst the best on test, without a doubt. And again, I think you could say similar for YT as well. Attention to detail is, is I think, really important if you are spending this much money. You don't want something that's just hobbled together. Yeah. You know? Like that little back axle on the Canyon. It's like a quick release, but then the quick release pops inside the axle. Yeah. Just things like that, really nice touch that makes it easy and looks really neat as well. Yeah. Well, I guess that brings us to the end of this time then. Yeah. Great. Okay. Uh, thanks for listening and stay tuned for more podcasts in the near future. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com. Bye.